Everybody. Welcome to the rarely recorded Bald Movies cast that isn't commissioned. Yeah, we just went to see a movie. What yeah. the hell? Yeah, you know, uh, some big movies coming out over the holidays. Huge movies, uh-huh. as a matter of fact. Uh, one that we neglected to see this week. Creed. In favor, yeah. Yeah, we didn't see Creed, but in favor of that we saw, or in favor of James Bond, Spectre. Felt like we made the wrong call in retrospect. I mean, Because I've heard yeah, everything, I'm, I've heard... People gushing about Creed. The last uh, Rocky movie, Balboa, was amazing. Blew me away. Yeah, I mean, that franchise has been relevant for 40 years. Well, you know what other franchise has been relevant for (laughs) 40-plus years? James Bond. So so shall we talk about the experience of going to the movies first to warm warm us up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a new... Because we're excited. Brew and View that just opened right near us. So there was a a dilapidated uh, dollar movie theater, budget movie theater line, and it smelled like your grandma's basement. Uh, I love that smell. It was just run down and depressing. But you could see, like, movies for crazy cheap. Like, I think on Wednesdays you could see for 75 cents. Yeah. But like, you know, if you wanted to go see like that's that was my Oscar time go to. I mean, that's at that point, that is a concession stand that also happens to show movies. Indeed. (laughs) Indeed. But it was great for like, you know, they call February dumpuary now because that's where all the studios it's like, well, these are shitty movies and we don't want to waste Oscar season on them, nor do we want to waste, you know, spring and summer primetime mega blockbusters so we're gonna dump that shit out and there's nothing in the Mm -hmm. first runs but then all the oscar stuff was in the cheap shows there you go so that's how like i cleaned up and saw a whole bunch of oscar worthy stuff before uh you know it came out on video and before the oscars i I like having i in a i don't know for some reason the oscars seem more important to me or more relevant than the emmys like Hmm. i'm glad when my favorite shows win an emmy because it means i get more visibility but i don't respect the process Whereas the Oscars, like it's tough with TV. You send yeah. you send all these movies to a bunch of people who are involved in the movie industry, and they watch it. It's a single experience. I believe a bunch of old dudes and gals can watch a movie and judge its merits. And I know there's politicking and all that stuff, but it's fun. It's it's fun to to pick a side and have an opinion. And so I can, try to do that. Yeah, and they can watch it in its entirety, right? With a TV show, there's no way you can watch all the TV that's on in a year. And g- taking one episode and saying this is it. Right. This is, represents the show right. is kind of a fool's errand anyway. Right. So, and, yeah. and by the way, congratulations to us. We spent two minutes talking about the thing that we want to talk about before we get to the thing that we want to talk about, uh-huh. which is to say someone bought this cheap sh- movie, shut it down, uh, and then turned it into a uh, you can, a kind of uh, an Alamo draft house style, uh, what they call brew view. You can yeah. go get a beer. There's a nice bar area. Serve you food. All uh, right in your theater seat. What did you think of the experience? Because I've been to a Alamo Draft House, and I, okay. I couldn't help but compare and contrast experience. See, I have not. Have you ever so, been to a Hollywood Farm and uh, no, Hollywood this is Farm, my Hollywood Film and Bar Works that was in Indianapolis? No, this is my first experience with uh, any any movie theater that serves food or drink. Of any Interesting. Time, other than you know concession stand stuff. 
I, I, it's frustrating to me because I couldn't conceive in a world where you have the Alamo Draft House and you're doing major renovations to a theater why you don't just set it up that way. Because if you don't know, I don't know. The cool thing, and I've only been to one, it's the one in downtown Austin, so maybe that this is just the holy grail and all the others are, are, are shitty. Uh, but there's there's a couple problems with this Bruin View. It's a couple of them they can't fix. They're just like the, the, the way they chose to lay that out. And there's others that are like training issues I think they can fix. But with Alamo, um, you get there and you're encouraged to arrive a half hour early. And to encourage you, they actually make it an event. Like every show has its own little appetizer package where they pick old movies or scenes from old movies or music videos Mm. or comedy sketches that put you in the mood to see the movie that you're there to see and it's always like weird stuff but it's kind of like in and and it's before even the trailers start before the house lights are up and your waiter you know comes over and says this is how things work but crucially it's conventional movie theater you've got like a bar like you know a, a, a laptop bar in front of you and everything's built on this scaffold so the waiters and waitresses are actually walking on catwalks below you. Okay. They kind of reach up and throw food and drink at you. Yeah, and they do all the thing like, you know, on on your your little thing is your seat number and your what theater number and you you do all this stuff without dialogue and the stuff appears without anyone blocking your view. Um and I think that's just like the best way to do it. Here there it's just set up like a conventional theater. You got twice as much legroom and mm. probably half as much elbow room. And there's like airline style tables between every set of of seats, but the problem is, is there it's a conventional non stadium style seating arrangement. So the waiters and waitresses have to come and and wait on you in person. And they during the movie they take on these like ridiculous Groucho Marx walks that just made me feel bad for them. I don't. I didn't have a problem with that because there's no difference to me, right? <laughs> What like, do you mean yeah, there's no difference to you? Let them duck walk across the ground it's, and come you over You didn't feel with a food. little bit bad about this woman carrying this plate laden with food and beverages and she's going to have severe back pain just so she doesn't interview, interrupt anyone's view behind her? A, I think they need to get some high school kids in there doing this shit. <laughs> but B, uh, no. I mean, what if they put like a skit, like, like they get knee skates? Surely this was part of like the interview process, right? Like, no, I, here's, I get it. Here's what you got to do. But I also feel like... Like people that want a job will will you know like that those are, are those are things that you might live to regret when when you've got sure. three herniated make discs. bad decisions yeah sure, sure. yeah uh, uh, so I, I I don't know I didn't think about that very much the but. other thing that annoyed me is they take the time to make sure that and these are the training issues I'm sure they'll work out uh, that you. You put the theater you're in and what seat number you're at, and mm-hmm. they they took the time to make sure they had it all. We had it all right, and then you write down the thing that you want, the number of the menu, so you don't have to talk. Yeah, but they confirm fucking everything, and then when they came out with our food mm-hmm. in the middle of a action sequence, um, which is another thing I think training is like you need to be familiar enough with the movie to know when the natural like lulls in the action are, because like every single time mm-hmm. they came in and spoke to me, I felt like I missed something important. Which okay. might, and I'm saying this because this might impact my review. Hmm. Um, but they're confirming, like, did you order the fish and chips? Did you order the thing? And, and I, you know, I can't hear them because there's gunfire and shit. So I'm like, what? And, okay. you know, it's like, it's just, it felt ridiculous. Like, do you have 
my shit written down correctly or not. Yeah, yeah. I, you shouldn't need to confirm it, I guess. Yeah. And, like, you know, I couldn't. It's, it's, there's a lot of other, like, opening a restaurant is hard. Opening a theater is hard. Opening a restaurant inside a theater where you just, you know, it's like always come out with yeah. silverware and napkins. And ke- if the person orders fries, have ketchup. Don't make them ask for napkins and ketchup because then you're doing more talking. Here's the thing. I think they'll iron some of this out. That like, stuff is I they think, fixable. I think the problem, yeah, with with you know confirming everything was yeah. just that they don't know where the seats are yet like am but, i in the right row am i at the labeled right and seat? lit yeah. was it lit I yeah no i i know because i thought it's like well maybe the seat numbers aren't but i noticed when we walked out that the seats all had facing forward with little lights on them the number and the rows had oh, the letter okay. that was lit up too so and the other thing those. that bugged me is that they don't turn the house lights down all the way well, then why are they confirming shit I know. That's what I was number. saying. I'm sitting so, in like, the right place. I get maybe, it. This is this this is stuff that they'll figure out with training. Maybe it's fools. Like they they've had people shifting positions, like moving around and. But but structurally, I it just know. it's weird because they don't have. I mean, Alamo Draft has fairly conventional theater seats. They're on the comfy side, but the the big claim to fame of that is like everything happens by magic. It's like fucking Hogwarts. Your food just <laughs> appears from below magically there and. You like I thought the table is very hard to eat. Uh, see, I was sitting by myself at one of those tables. But I had if no you're, one to my side. If you're so. not sitting by yourself, that like, that's a very yeah. awkward thing to eat. Like especially if you got something sloppy like a hamburger. I got fish and chips because I was kinda like, I'm not sure how this is gonna work and I want finger food. Yeah, honestly, they need something that rotates toward you and, yes. and becomes like a lap table. Yes. Or something Alamo's got where you just lean into it. You know, it's like there's your table. Um but yeah, yeah it's like so. and, and also I just thought the chairs are just the, the the thing the chairs are great. What are you talking about? Uh, well, so that you never went to Hollywood rocking. Bar and Filmworks, but they actually had like real Lazy Boy style recliners that I mean, you could kick back. What these are? No, they're not. No, they're not. They're like, I mean, do you low wanna... end, They're like low end executive office furniture style seating with faux leather covers. Yeah, and... they're nice. I thought they were nice. Hmm. I just, well, I'm like, what do you? Are want? they going to be like, nice five years from now? I I don't care. Five years. From I now. see. Like, that's the thing. I love. I. I want this thing to – that's the thing. Like, I want this place to succeed so bad, and I'm scared to see all the mistakes they're making and, and kind of like the subpar opening experience mm-hmm. because that's like the death. If you open up a place and you give people kind of subpar experience, they're like, you know what? This would I this would have been a better experience if I went to Applebee's and sp- spent 30, 45 minutes getting my fish and chips there and then went to the mo- uh, conventional movie theater with a pitch black thing. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. like, I don't have to worry about people eating off the mat. And imagine this place, because this was, like, a maybe 30% full. Mm-hmm. What does this place do in a packed house? I don't know. Like, I got an equally fat guy as me sitting across from me, and we're trying to share a tape. It's, 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 I don't know, man. I'm, I'm, I'm scared about this place's future, and I want it so badly to succeed. <laughs> so that, I mean, maybe that's a symptom of... Like buying and renovating an existing theater is you just like I don't know if Draft House is like built from scratch, but I this doubt thing it because like... it's in a very old theater. Really, but I'd say, I don't feel like this... they must have done extensive renovations. But it's like because, how like how do you essentially... get that slab of concrete that is a movie theater sloping floor? I think you build like... it out of wood. You don't make it out of concrete. Like you know, that's so you'd have to build like a balcony I mean, that's, scaffolding. That's on what top I mean. Like that's an extensive serious renovation right? but they renovated the shit like it's all brand new everything like how much i don't yeah, know I mean, maybe that would add double to the project and they just couldn't open it but my argument yeah. is 
if they open this and it flops because of the problems I've identified, and they know that there's a successful, you know, this 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 uh, Alamo Draft House is like going nationwide, and they kind of do the same stuff. It's the you know the same style thing. It's like if you've got that successful blueprint, just copy it, man. Is there one of those around here? Because I there's not. I think okay. the closest one we have is in like Tennessee. Yeah, but they're so slowly. It's it like fire matter. ants. They're slowly going north. Yeah, uh, and, and out in California and things like that. But if you got a draft house I, in your town, it's risky, I'm right? jealous. I'm it's, jealous. It's super of risky though for them to be like, "Oh, we're gonna go all out on this thing and spend a shitload of money." And is it, it riskier flops, than half-assing it? Really it? Yeah, I th- I think it is. Like hmm. you're if you're gonna spend double the money, it's like, well, now we've got a lot of money to recoup. We've got much bigger. My hope is that it's successful enough problems. that they can. And I also wonder if like some of the bigger houses, because there's eight screens, like maybe some of them are set up draft house style or maybe maybe, like, you know, a year into this and it's successful, they can start, you know, just take one theater down and renovate it and put in the balcony that they'd need and the catwalks and all that, you know, it's like Roman gladiatorial style shit that, that they're, they're doing here. Yeah, maybe. Um, But yeah, what'd you think of the food? I thought the food was, that's the other problem. The food is just okay. I mean, I'm, I don't need it to be like steak house quality Do you stuff. Need it, doesn't it need to be like a little bit better than Applebee's though? I mean, it, it was, worse it was than Applebee's. Applebee's. You thought it was Applebee's? I don't like Applebee's, but that's just me. <laughs> I don't either. That's what I'm, my point is. Like, I mm. felt like this food is a notch below Applebee's. I, what did you get? Like a fish and chips? Same as you, man. Or something? I got that. I, we both got, like, that's what every dude gets at a restaurant. They don't know what they want. They I got chicken fish and chips. You did? Yeah. I, oh, oh, so they made our food double. Oh, they must have. That's what happened because you took you forever to get your food. It was like halfway through the movie before you even got yeah, your food. Yeah, they came over and were like, fish and chips? I'm like, nope. Chicken the tenders. Th- the other thing is, like, they say in the, like, right as you enter the theater, it's like, we'll have you their check as the credits are rolling. No. During the biggest, most pivotal action sequence, the, the the climax of the film, I'm negotiating who's paying what and who gets what split and having this minute-long conversation about the goddamn bill with this woman in the dark that I can barely hear because <laughs> explosion. And I'm like, this is ah, terrible. Yeah, but imagine if they waited until credits. I you'd don't have, care. You'd have 200 people waiting an hour and a half trying to get out of there. I get it. I get it. But the other thing that kind of was, I thought was annoying is we had the conversation about splitting the stuff up before the movie even started. Did you? Yeah, we did. Because we were originally going to put everything together, and then we realized, oh, it's going to be a nightmare to split up. So before the movie well, started... Well, and that's kind of also we actually, on us. We but, fucked up. But we made out separate receipts, and we explained it to the woman. Again, that's that stuff's all training and getting used to this stuff. Kind but. of. I sent in a three-drink order. Because, <laughs> you know, when you go to a James Bond movie, and they're serving food and beverages, you have to And they to have get, a Sean Connery, you have to get vodka martini, shake and not stir. Yeah. Yeah, you got to get There's it. There's no option there. You got to uh, get it. So and, I put down three of those on my thing. One for each of us, but yeah. at that point, I didn't know we were splitting. Like, we, we fucked it up. But we didn't send that in. That happened before she even came out. When she came out, there was two separate tickets. There there were, but the first thing that we wrote down was, like, I just wrote down 3X. I know Sean that, but Connery. she never saw that. That's what I'm no, saying. she like, saw it. Did she? Yeah, she saw that in my 55 chicken order. Like, yeah. No, I think we made out new tickets. But anyway, whatever. At some point, maybe we did, but I never did. Okay. So, shall we talk about the movie? No, no. This no. is just going to be a Bruin View Spectre cast. <laughs> like, we've told you about the experience. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That's the other thing. It's like, man, I was thinking, I was dreaming 
the reason I want to succeed is like imagine bald move meetups. Like we could make that a thing. Oh man, that'd be like great. you know you meet yeah. at and they got this big their, their cocktail. Their cocktail lounge is awesome. And in fact, if I do this it again, looks really nice. Yeah. I kind of want to budget thirty or forty minutes before the movie to just go and have like an appetizer. And then just have drinks during the movie, like not mess with the yeah. full course meal and all that. But like, I think it'd be cool to have like a bald move meet up there because they got the space for it. You can, yeah. you can, they got assigned seating that you can get online. So you could like, you know, it's like, Hey, how many people are going? 15 people are going. All right. Boom. Here's a section. We're all sitting together. That'd be pretty cool. Here's the thing. That then they'd put all nice. our tabs in the one and they'd give it to me and I'd be like, ah, bald move is bankrupt. But the thing that's super nice is it, it felt really good to sustain a buzz through this movie instead of coming down off a buzz <laughs> yeah. like an hour into this Because that's thing, what we right? usually do. We bring flasks, yeah. we sit out in the parking lot, and we pound an eight ounce of whatever, then and we, we go, go in, in half, uncomfortably drunk, uh-huh. and then halfway through the movie... Hoping it'll last. Fingers crossed it's not a Peter Jackson film. Half, yeah, halfway <laughs> through the movie, you start running out of gas. But yeah, no, having the having the rally martinis was, was not bad. Yeah, I felt good all the way through this thing. Sure. And it, combine it with you know a movie that's just dumb enough and just fun enough... And that's a perfect experience. I have an argue. I, I argue that this was <laughs> running down. with Con- Quantum of Solace for the worst Bond of the Daniel Craig era. Here's the thing. Okay, so, so what's so your experience with James Bond? I love James Bond. I've seen them all. You uh, shit. And, in fact, I love every single Bond. Like except for Dalton, I've only seen. <laughs> I, and, and the thing is, I, I fucking saw, love Timothy Dalton, but I don't remember his Bond. I grew up on Roger Moore. Thinking it was all, oh. every, I know, I know, and it was all <laughs> funny and campy and crazy gadgets. And then uh. when I was a, like a middle teenager, Timothy Dalton took to the stage, and like I, Who he was like Daniel imposter? Craig before Daniel Craig. We were ready for Daniel Craig. He was an older, more mature Bond. I should watch him again. I'd probably appreciate them more. You probably would, yeah. Um, and I remember like Sunday night on ABC, they used to show Bonds. They did have like Bond marathons every like consecutive Sundays, and that was when you'd get all of the. Uh, you know, old school Sean Connery bonds, which I appreciated for what they were. Uh, yeah, I never got into those. They they were too too before my time. Yeah, like my dad watched a few when I was growing up as a young preteen teenager, and I j- I was just like, nope, not for me. And so Bond didn't really hit for me until Pierce Brosnan took the stage. Sure, uh, and Pierce Brosnan is on paper the perfect Bond. I, yeah, I I like Pierce Brosnan a lot. It's a shame I think, that he never got like a slam dunk. I think Goldeneye gym. is a slam. I love Goldeneye, but I was young, right? I was like seventeen. Goldeneye's when that good, came out. but I'm thinking if he got like a, a like a Casino Royale, that was just the the material hmm. was just like for the time it was right for him it was right and just it just like made Bond relevant again. I, I, I felt like throughout Goldeneye Pierce did, Brosnan's but... career, James Bond was running out of steam. Really? Yeah. Well, okay. So yeah, as as they wore on, like Goldeneye to me was a perfect Bond. Like it was one of the first that I had seen in its entirety, and it felt like a modern modern day Bond, whereas sure. the old ones felt old. Yeah. And I just wasn't into that as a kid. So you know, then he makes uh, Die Another Day and all this horrible shit. That yeah, Tomorrow those got dies, silly. Yeah. Th- those got real silly. But like, put James Bond and Alex Trevelyan in a scene together, and I'm there. I still like that. I think it's Tomorrow Never Dies, the one where it's like some kind of North Korean. The guy gets plastered with diamonds in his face, and mm. isn't you got that Christmas Christmas Jones or something that was, like that? No, that wasn't. That wasn't. That was the. Her name's Winter Christmas. <laughs> yeah, no, she was a terrible Bond girl. That was uh, Denise Richards. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, I don't know. So I yeah, I I enjoy all eras of Bond. Uh, I can't think of one that I just category except for Dalton, which I'm kind of. But, but I realize that's probably an immature opinion, and I should go back and and watch them because I've heard that they're more adult and sophisticated. It was like a, it's kind of like uh, you know, uh, the the uh, Roger Moore era was essentially the Adam West version of Batman, and you needed like a Tim a, a Tim Burton Batman to put Bat Batman back on the map yeah. to like change the public perception of what Batman was, mm-hmm. and that's kind of the Timothy Dalton. It seems like they do that every generation, every so often, right? Like, yeah. the Pierce Brosnan stuff is not what the Sean Connery stuff was. The Daniel Craig stuff is not what Pierce Brosnan was. So, have you? Like, uh, it's all morphing through the time. Have you seen all of the Daniel Craig Bonds? Yeah. Okay. How do you rank them? Oh fuck! Uh, I thought the last one was probably the best, although Casino Royale was pretty awesome. Really, I like that. Uh, and this one is th- there's one other right between Casino Royale. It's Quantum and... of Solace, which I thought was yeah, terrible. I, I didn't like that one. Yeah. All right, so so I think the best of the Craig ones is Skyfall, and Casino Royale is about that good. And yeah. Quantum of Solace is way below there. All right, so we and agree Spectre, on that. I think, is somewhere just above Quantum of Solace because yep. I had the same problem. Yep. I just I couldn't engage like. It was all there on paper, like M's death and Skyfall, setting up the mission Inspector, and you know <laughs> uh-huh. the Vesper uh, stuff. Uh, his 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 number one Bond girl that died in Casino Royale, the like, ghost of that going in the Spectre, and and the fact that this is kind of like this villain, this this uh, this the Spectre organization has been the chief tormentor of Bond throughout all these years. I that stuff was all good on paper, but like I felt it felt very lazy. Like when Bond would get into his predict his jams, <laughs> the way he would get out of them get was just n- nonsensical. Yeah. yeah, no, and that's so I don't have a huge problem with that stuff in a James Bond movie. I no, I mean like based, James Bond is what James Bond. If is the me. rest of the movie is good, I can roll with it. Yeah. Um, but I always think that what elevates the really great Bonds are a great plot that kind of takes you by surprise. Like you're fully halfway through the movie before you uncover, oh shit, what's the big? What they tried to uh, do here, but also when Bond actually has to do use some cleverness and some believability in how he gets into places and gets out of places. Mm-hmm. I need that. Like, if the plot doesn't make sense, then I, I need to have some cool Bond moments. And I felt like the plot was kind of nonsensical, and the escapes were wildly implausible and didn't really make yeah, sense. that's true. Culminating in, like, you know, the Bond... It's like, okay, uh, when they when 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 you strap uh, Sean Connery to a, a, a gold plate and have a laser going up his crotch, yeah. and he's like, what do you expect me to do? I expect you to die. And, and then throwing razor hats you actually see it hit his crotch and set his pants on fire, but it, it turns out his dick is made out of diamonds, and it doesn't. And well, he's got he an had, extra fifteen minutes to get out of it because he's diamond plated yeah. up until his like nipples. Sure, that's like what I felt like when when uh, you know what's his face from uh, Inglorious Bastards had him strapped in his chair, and it's like. Now I'm going to infiltrate your ears. Ah, drill, scream. Now I'm going to hit the part of your brain that makes you forget faces, and you'll never remember another face. And he successfully pulls out the operation, and Bond's just immune. His Nothing happens. What the fuck? It's not like That made no sense. He didn't stop it. It didn't go wrong. And there was no, like, special gadget that maybe would have helped him here. Like, 
there was no reasons. There was no Chekhov's whatever that would they have pulled set that up. gag. And I just this weekend also watched Serenity. I've, I've now re- in preparation for our Firefly podcast. I watched the entire run of Firefly and the movie Serenity. Christ. Okay. And they pull that. <laughs> They, I take the yeah, profession seriously. Just, just saying, you have a lot of other stuff to watch before our debates. I'm watching a lot of shit. But, watching shit from 2004. But but uh, they pull that gag in there too, where the guy goes with his like nerve paralyzer, and he's going to get the sword, and you're going to fall on the sword, and it doesn't work on Mal, and he's like, "It's an old war wound. I had that nerve cluster moved because I took shrapnel." Uh huh. That at least made sense. Here they don't even bother with no, an explanation. It's just, James Bond's brain is different than you and I. He can withstand a drill to that part of his brain. It, just, it feels like there was a, a cut scene somewhere that says, like, we put, like, this nano blood did something to your chemical make. That would have like, fucking made sense. Some, it, it, it wouldn't even have made sense, but it would have been something. Yeah, something to me, like, what? Here, they drill in, nothing happens, they never talk about it. Then he drops the, he, he drops the uh, uh, bomb watch, and that's the other thing, like, so yeah. James Bond, if it hadn't been for the girl there, mm-hmm. and she fled to his side, and the chief villain is just sitting there, yeah, fuck with him, do whatever you want for like a minute or two while I get these next drills ready. He drops the bomb in her hand, and she throws it at the console, and it blows up the in. Not only does the chair's failure mode basically release the prisoner, which that's a weird failure mode for a device to have, mm-hmm. uh, but it it blows up the whole fucking base. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. And, and I guess the guy you're supposed to away. understand that this was just the intel gathering system that they wanted to have before they got the officially state-sanctioned, all the governments hornswoggled into yeah. doing it mm-hmm. center. But still, it was pretty fucking silly. It was just to give What's-His-Face from uh, Inglorious Bastards a cool Blowfield-looking scar. Sure. So so that that's the thing about this I Bond fully expected his, his cat to show up naked because it was all fluffy in the base and he's going to have it later. It's going to be... I mean, I, I was like... Are, once I saw that, I'm like, are we going Dr. Evil territory here? Like, how crazy yeah. is this going to get? No, and that's, I mean, that's a James Bond movie, right? Like, it's not kind of a modern James Bond movie, which is strange to me. Like, that's something where, you know, a guy has diamonds embedded in his face from an explosion. Or... It's kind of, yeah, like, it, like so Roger Moore is on the silly, campy yeah. axis. And then you've got Sean Daniel Connery's Craig, which is like, and, and Tom Timothy Dalton are on the deadly serious. Yeah. And and Pierce Bronson's kind of somewhere in between, and so is Sean Connery. Yeah. Um. But I felt like this was a wild swing towards Roger Moreville, mm-hmm. and in and, and some of this movie. But and also the other thing is like when they first made this, like James Bond is a relic. He's a fossil. He doesn't really fit into the 21st century he intelligence has community. Been. <laughs> that was kind of revolutionary when they first trotted it out. When Pierce yeah. Bronson, I think the first time they mentioned that was when he got kidnapped by the North Koreans and tortured with scorpions and shit. Yeah. Yeah. At this point, that is its own trope. Like, I'm so sick and fucking tired of 15 minutes of every movie, some snotty superior dressing down James Bond, like, you know, you just, this is archaic and bloodthirsty and bullshit. And then, like, is it really subversive if you're saying that and then you just make James Bond right all along? Like, I, I, and I, I still you... see this thing getting praised as like, well, they're, you know, James Bond is evolving. It's bullshit. He did that 15 years ago. What's he going to evolve into now? When's he going to be wrong? Yeah. And they, they evolved him with the first Daniel Craig movie. And I feel like, you know, that's the pattern they've been taking is this grittier, yeah. 
more more kind of just hard-working James Bond. And James Bond got wrong, and he paid the price for it. But now it's yeah. like they've walked it back to where now Bond is invincible, and he's always right. Wait, I, I, what else are you going to do? You know, if you want to keep a franchise going for 40 years, you're going to come back on your own cycles every so often. Uh, and that that might work for a new generation. Like, I don't know, right? Like, the Pierce Brosnan thing got me into James Bond. So maybe that's this Daniel Craig stuff is doing that for a new generation. Yeah, I mean, 20 maybe. 20 years later. I mean, that's the thing. I just felt like that they're all over the map with this version of Bond. And I think it's really time for him. I've gotten conflicting reports in the, the press about, you know, where they're going to go with James Bond. But, you know, I've heard Idris Elba. That's, that's, that seems like a cool idea. A lot of people are on board with that. Uh, but I feel like, yeah, Daniel Craig, it's, he, he had a good run. He had two superb Bonds, two sub-superb Bonds, and they are out of things to say with him at this point. Okay. Uh, I, I thought there were – so there, there are some really dumb things in this movie. I thought there were some really awesome things. That opening scene I thought was fantastic. Like this monochromatic sure. celebration in Mexico and, City, yeah, the day, the, and this helicopter, sh- it was awesome. The building falls on him, like, right? Like that's what James Bond as as is best. It's like if you want to see yeah. some exotic foreign culture at its very best, shiniest, brightest. Yep. Like if you want to see Mardi Gras that you'll never actually experience in real life, if you want to see it. Uh, Dios de los Muerta that you're never going to see in fucking Mexico City. Uh-huh. Like, I don't believe that's what that's like. I don't know, man. Like, because if it is, I want to be there because that looks yeah, cool yeah. as fuck, man. Well, they you... are clowning us on Halloween. What's the uh, the South American celebration that's that's like that? That is just fucking bonkers, and you... it lasts for like a week. Are you talking about Mardi Gras? No, 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 no. You're no. talking about um, the fuck. It's <laughs> I can't think of it. It's a and I dead, just listened right? to Is that what you're talking about? No. no, there's some big celebration where they do like floats and hmm. party across the city. It's insane, right? Um, but yeah, I, I thought that was a really cool atmosphere to start it off, and the it action was. was great, and it felt like I like. And at that point, you don't need to know the mission. There is no plot to be concerned about, sure. right? Just kill this guy. And I, it's also like uh, I'm I'm not sure why, but no one has ever no one has ever done like helicopter stunt stunts. What do you mean? Well, like the, seeing helicopters do barrel loops and rolls. Like I, I, I guess I mean it's certainly crazy. they've been doing those with remote controlled hair, uh, helicopters. And I saw a YouTube video where someone took a Chinook, those big cargo dual rotor jobs, uh-huh. and like for some kind of sales pitch, one of the pilots got a wild hair and pulled a fucking <laughs> loop with that. Jeez, I mean these the, no one does that because they're incredibly dangerous and yeah. it's like the failure mode theirs. But they're ca- these machines are capable of it, and I'm surprised that they haven't done any truly wild shit. I really love the way they filmed it. I thought so too. Like it was a little weird that James Bond is having a life or death punching struggle with a guy and barely <laughs> with in control a pilot. helicopter. But yeah, that, that's within the realm of Bond. Like, that's what he does. I was. I mean, again, I've seen Pierce Brosnan take people out on an airplane and barely pull up in time. Sure, that's a that's a Bond trope. I don't yeah. mind that. It's just when the plot wheels fell off, where I'm yeah. like, I yeah. don't understand this anymore. Yeah, it was interesting. So. I didn't feel like this Bond was clever and funny in the way that a lot of Bonds have been. You know, there were a couple of lines, like maybe one line in the whole thing that made me chuckle. Yeah. Uh, but for the – and, you know, seeing him steal the car was yeah. like, okay, there goes James Bond being cheeky. That's what he does. Uh, but I, I wasn't I wasn't as thoroughly entertained as I wanted to be by a Bond, even though, like, it had nothing else going for it, right? If you're not going to – really invest heavily in your plot and make everything make sense, then go for entertainment value. Sure. 
and I didn't feel like it hit on either of those levels. And I also thought that, like, I thought that Monica Belushi as one of the Bond girls up front was an inspired choice because it's one of those, like, she's, mm-hmm. she's like, 50 years old. She's sexy as hell. She looks sophisticated and intelligent. Mm-hmm. And she's age-appropriate for James Bond for once. And I thought for sure when she's, like, the widow of one of these Spectre, you know, top five guys, it's going to turn out that she's going to be, like, the right-hand woman, if not running the joint, uh, uh, co-running, or maybe she's even the secret boss of Blowfield. Mm-hmm. But she's really there to be fucked and discarded by Bond, and it was kind of yes. shocking. like Entirely, right? When I saw Monica Bellucci, I'm like, okay, she's at least going to be a, a, a third of the movie will be dead. No, she got like five minutes and that was it. She, she had some sexy close-up with James and done. And I thought she would come Moving back on. and like it was like I kept waiting, kept waiting, kept waiting for her to be like a big bat or something. But I felt that was a wasted opportunity. They do that. Uh, uh, so that is kind of a staple of Bond too, right? Like – Let's have him start off in the bedchambers with some random girl who yeah, we got... assumed he picked up on another mission. Right. Like, that's the thing. And then the, she gets killed immediately. But occasionally she'll, like, come back and be the bigger part of the plot. It, it yeah, but who, who did Famica Jansen play in? Natalia on a top or There whatever. you go. The thigh crusher. Yeah. Imagine she crushed the yacht admiral's rib cage having sex and you yeah. never saw her again in the rest of the movie <laughs> yeah that's kind of how i felt with Ma. It's like well, what you you cast this fantastic actress and gave gave her kind of interesting plot that like is really buried deep in a specter and then nope she's gone and i thought I also I, I thought that the girl who replaced her the was was weird that's this leah sado i think is how you pronounce her name was weird why weird? i just i thought she was much less interesting than monica bellucci honestly and she's okay. like got the she's the da- and she's the daughter of one of James Bond's art you know nemesis, like much less interesting than like like her plot setup was less interesting or she's Every, less interesting. I think than she's actress. just less interesting as a physical presence. And then also I hmm. thought felt okay. it was I didn't buy that James Bond would fall madly in love with her. Like if if if, if huh. you know and that's I guess you had to buy that. So, I mean, to make the end of the movie work, which yeah, is another thing that was unsatisfying. So I'm seeing Blowfield took the time to set up this diabolical, you can save yourself or you can save the woman. And James Bond, of, of course, is able to do both. But they took the, time, the trouble to have Blowfield with a helicopter with visual to see like James Bond, you know, like he's, he's set up where the girl actually is, which number one gives it away. But number two... James Bond goes and retrieves a girl, and he's seeing this, and he just fucks off. Like, okay, we're gonna leave this the the this this plan to to to. I mean, it really was a Doctor Evil moment. Yeah, I don't have a problem with that in my bonds, honestly. Like, you're gonna put Seriously, the Joker so, plot in there, no no big deal. That's what like, supervillains do. Like, if it's just a staple. So of the, Goldfinger straps him to the thing and it fires up the laser, and then sits in the corner and watches Bond. And then Bond breaks free, and, and Goldfinger just watches him. That's like it's well, one that thing to be an evil mastermind and put you in an unescapable situation and leave you by yourself. Okay, that's stupid, but it works in a James Bond villain. This guy was actually has eyes on the target, sees his plan is going to hell, What's and he does nothing. Do? He's in a helicopter. This he... is a man who's engineered everything in James Bond life for maximum pain, and, and he, he fought... expected this to go off without a hitch. But he's James Bond, like. 
That's I, the thing. This was the culminating moment. This wasn't was, like I've got a plan beyond this. That, I guess that's that's why I have a problem with it, man. Because <laughs> I don't see why. Though. Like it, I didn't feel like okay. James Bond just looked really hard for the girl and found her, and then jumped down into a uh, a, a very conveniently placed crash net. Super convenient. Well, almost placed, like yeah. like Blowfield intended this to happen. I'm yeah. like, okay, so this is going to be like in Skyfall, where you know Javier, what's his name. I, I don't know. The guy from old No Country for Old Men. Yeah, yeah. Like, everything that James Bond did, he, like, carefully engineered. And it's like, this is going to be one more step in his, you know, bear trap. But he's nope. going to get him pinned down in the house at the nope. end. Nope. Nope. Yeah. It just, it's James Bond won. Well, their plan's got to end somewhere. And I... I felt like this movie needed another six months of pre-production. Like, maybe so. Or maybe it just got butchered in editing. Like, this is a three-hour movie that escaped as a two-hour movie, and when we get to director's edition, oh, it's going to be genius. But, like, there was a lot. Like, even for – again, I'm more than willing to overlook plot holes in a James Bond movie for the rule of cool to take effect. But nothing okay. was particularly cool enough, and nothing was engaging to suspend my disbelief. That's the like thing. 30 and minutes I, into the movie, it just crashed to the ground and it never recovered. That's that's where I feel like it falls apart. Like, I don't give a shit about plot. I don't give a shit about any of that. If, if there's a super villain doing nasty things and James Bond has to stop him, I'm good. It just didn't have the the style and the the substance or the the panache i guess like the yeah the big over the top moments like yeah you got a you got a massive thing blowing up in the desert but that's just kind of one explosion yeah it wasn't particularly interesting how they got out they just kind of sure like <laughs> the thing he was doing didn't work on james bond and they blew it up yeah that didn't make a whole lot of sense. So, like, I'm with you for the there's most a lot part. Of I think this paper, was pretty bad, but... There's a lot of things on paper that worked really well. Like, Ralph Fiennes as the new M, I thought was really interesting. He doesn't like Bond and thinks he's a loose cannon, but he also knows that this, you know, NSA style... Like, it's funny that the the movie mega villains' main plan is essentially what the NSA has been doing for the last 15 years. Sure. Yeah, and just recently stopped, or so they said. <laughs> uh, they've oh yeah, we've stopped yeah, all that. Right, we've sure. just actually moved it to London in the new nerve center and the I nine's blessed it or whatever. But it's weird that like the supervillain plot that everyone's railing against has been the reality we've lived in or for the last again decade and a half. And I didn't think I it's think like with the is... rare case where the movie didn't go far enough. Yeah, so there's a, a kernel of an interesting story there with like. You know this, this intelligent, this private intelligence network yeah. that's collecting data on people and spying, and the governments are tapping into. That's a very bizarre thing, right? As as a citizen of the U.S., where I <laughs> I do not expect my government to be spying on me, let alone using private companies to do sure. so, which is our exact situation. I just don't feel like they they did much of anything with it. No. No, it's, it's like, literally a, a watered-down, watered okay. less nuanced version of what happens in real life, which that's like, as I see, it's like, man, this is really preposterous. But, but then you're getting into point, Mission Impossible territory, which is a different thing. Right? Yeah, I like, guess. But the other thing is, like, so I liked Ralph Fiennes as the guy who doesn't really trust Bond, but maybe he was Bond 30 years ago, and yeah. he plays it like he's, like, this super... You he think understands the value of his organization. Yeah, and like they played with this a little bit in Skyfall, where you think he's going to be a push, you know, a pencil pusher, but he's actually a capable field agent in his own. And As they all are. I like the new Q. I thought he's, you know, yeah, he he's continues awesome. to be a breath of fresh air. Mm-hmm. I like the new Money Penny. Like all the pieces are there for a great. Just like that was what was particularly frustrating with the with the Pierce Bronson era. Is like you get this guy who seems like he was born 
put on this fucking earth to play James Bond as most suavest, and he's also got that gear we can be vicious, mm-hmm. which is I think that's that's critical for a good Bond. They have to have a vicious streak. He's got to get the job done. He's got to be ultimately. like he's got to be able to shut his emotions off and do whatever he has to do to get by. And I think Craig's got that in spades. But I thought Bronson was is is has got that as as, as well. Yeah, he's and got he like a classier got, version of it. He never got more than a solid B James Bond script. Like Goldfinger is a solid B. Goldeneye. Um. Yeah. Gold Eye. Gold, Goldeneye. I'm going into A territory for Goldeneye. Yeah. A minus. I think that's sentimental value. <laughs> it 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 is certainly. Uh. Yeah, this one was, you know, uh, lackluster, surprisingly. It, with such a great opening, I guess I was expecting more. And I, again, I was drinking vodka martinis this whole the, the whole so like I was yeah. primed to enjoy this thing. And and I also I wonder I, I will be a little bit kinder because the as awesome as some of the experience was, there was a lot of detriment because I know I missed a good minute or two chunk. Now I think we missed different minute chunks. I don't think that just uh, you've not had any problem. Like I was half afraid that when I started talking about it, you'd be like, "Oh, well, actually, they addressed this, and he's got this, you know, weird thing in his brain." And no, no, they no. never talked. None about of that. that. None of that. And the other thing is, I feel like that I wish I'd seen Casino Royale and Skyfall. Like I wish I'd watched that the day or two before, because man. I feel like you would get a lot more enjoyment if you explicitly yeah. were able to connect some of these bads, like the one that he had that committed suicide in the cabin, that that would be, mean yeah. a lot more. So here's an interesting thing that I think they did, and I want to ask you how you think Bond is going to change in the future, given this, or, or what they're going to do in the next movie, potentially. Uh, they make it clear that Blofeld is the guy who's been going around killing everyone that James Bond is sleeping with, right? He goes around, he kills anyone who gets close to James He's Bond. He's literally James Bond's older brother. Uh-huh. Like, adopted brother? Yeah. Like, st- stepbrother? Yeah. Or, or not, not even stepbrother. He was adopted into this that family his when father his parents liked died. Be- he was the cuckoo. He actually liked James Bond better than his flesh and bo- blood son, and that's why he became a supervillain. Yeah, he resented it. And, and so, he goes around and he kills all of James Bond's love interests. Sure. As much as you can say any of them are his love interests. Sure. Uh... And at the end of this movie, they make it clear, okay, this guy is dead, the head of Spectre, the guy who's had this stick up his ass trying to kill me, uh, kill everybody around me, he's dead, and James Bond walks off into the sunset with this girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, I think what they're going for with this idea of this brain drill thing not working is that his attachment to her was somehow overcome, like a, a Neo and and Trinity in the Matrix thing, right? Well, that's bullshit. Like love will overcome the physical reality, and but you're already here playing with what is physical and material reality, so that works in the Matrix in a way that this. I is... agree. It completely out of place here. Doesn't work, like, but but I think that's what they were doing because otherwise, why have that in there? And then he walks off into the sunset with her. Do you think? That there is going to be a fundamental shift in James Bond in no, the future. Because he always walks off. He always feels I like the, the Bond girl he fucks last is the one that he drives off in the sunset. But then Blofeld then... comes in and kills him, apparently. So maybe that's the thing that's been keeping James Bond from hanging up the, the martinis and settling down. I don't think so. I can't mm. imagine that they would go that direction with it. But... It seems like they've removed the one of the huge obstacles, right? That we didn't know was there. The other thing, yeah. Does I, Spectre continue? 
I don't know. Without Blofeld? It feels like it should be a multi-movie arc. And like he should, he should, they should assign him up for a trilogy. Yeah, and that's the other thing was kind of anticlimactic. Like you, you take the trouble to to uh, put uh, Christoph Waltz, that's his name, right? I think so. Uh, you, you take the, the, the to bring a guy like that who's really capable of being, uh, 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 you know, he's he's got multiple gears. He can be like yeah. this really cruel, sadistic guy. He can choose scenery. He can he can be heroic. You know, even if you need him to be like in Django, but. Mm-hmm. You, you take the sign as the, the sign him up and you put Spectre, which was, you know, that's kind of like uh, the, that's the big bad of the James Bond universe and kind of it to go out with a whimper. They do, I guess they make it clear that that it's kind of uh, a doggy dog world. Right. And that someone is going to take his place. It's I thought not they, like it was a mistake to make one him of the, the biggest bad. I don't know. That like, felt that's vi- the thing. Is he the biggest bad? I know he kind of is yeah. at the top of this organization. Yes. yes. But sat- I don't think anybody else is going to say, well, Spectre's no, done because the be head another- is chopped off. I, but uh, to me, if you want to keep the structure and have this guy keep doing movies, which with everyone rumored to have Daniel Craig, this is his last Bond, it's weird to introduce you know, Blowfield and Spectre and then kind of kill that. Yeah, I, they could kill continue to use Spectre, but... Yeah. You've shot your wad with James Bond's long lost brother that was feared dead and has actually been get, like that's you can't get that back. No, anyone else no. that's on Spectre is not going to have that personal relationship with Bond. Here's the thing: he doesn't kill him in the end, right? So he could come back. The, yes, which you I know mean, that's that's its own it's always kind of a possibility. Problem. So, uh, yeah, it's weird because I wasn't going to contradict you because again, I I was talking, I was arguing about a bill through some of that, but I like man, I didn't think they killed Blowfield. No, but they take him. They cart him off to prison. Obviously, I mean, he doesn't just remain on the bridge or jump over the side and swim away to safety. Yeah, and someone you, with a with he's a, caught or dead with the organization with the resources of Spectre. You would think that they could get him out if they wanted to. Probably, like, uh, but then I again, that's what is that? Is that going to feel like the Death Star Part Two? I mean, does that feel like I don't know Magneto like getting out of his? His cell. I like, guess that's a good analogy. It, it it happens all the time. Yeah. I mean, that's every single Batman movie ever made. Sure. The Joker is out of prison again. Fucking Arkham Asylum let him out one more time. I, but, uh, you know, Bond feels a little bit more grounded in geopolitical reality than that. Yeah. So, like, them exploiting that is... But then again, this is... No, I don't think people ever talk about this, but the biggest problem the James Bond franchise is James Bond's secret agent runs around clearly identifying himself as James Bond every <laughs> single fucking time, everywhere he goes. Yeah. like That's an alias, though, is my impression. That James Bond is not his actual name. That 007 and James no, Bond are I, both alias. I fully believe that. Okay. However... Like, I don't think his apartment is rented under James Bond. Surely every airline's got James Bond. Like, it's got to be so easy to track him nowadays. Like, hey, Spectre, I'm looking at every information. You see James Bond come across the wire. Well, of course he's getting all his girlfriends killed because you're so fucking easy to track. (laughs) Yeah. You're checking into hotels as James Bond. You're going to fucking the villain's hideout and saying you're James Bond. I got the squid ring. Let me in. I'm James Bond. It's ridiculous. I mean, when you got a thing, your name is a thing, right? Bond. James Bond. His name could be James Bond, but he ought to have, like, Ethan Hunt doesn't go around as Ethan fucking Hunt all the time. No, but James Bond is compelled. Like, 
I've got this awesome name. I'm going to use it. I guess. I came up with this when I was 13. Yeah. I'm going to fucking use it, man. I also thought that was really funny when Ralph Fiennes is trying to explain the value the double O program to whippersnapper, Mick spies uh-huh. a lot. Yeah. He's like, you know, it, uh, he's issued the license to kill, but also a license not to kill. Like, <laughs> everyone on the planet Earth is Has born issued with the license not to kill. Uh-huh. Get the fuck out of here, Voldemort, with that shit. Yeah. God, I, that's I did laugh some at that really cringy lines. When, when, and that's the other thing. It's like, there's actually legitimate philosophical and political differences in this information collecting thing. They could, they could actually have some really blistering repart you know back and forth with this stuff and instead they chose with the he's also issued a license not to kill (laughs) that's something your fucking drones can't do like what yeah my god like that's uh, it's so much more there's so much more interesting you could do with drones and pervasive information gathering and they just chose not there is but like is that i feel like the james bond movies get one big overarching theme type of message right Mm -hmm. they say uh you know unfettered information collection is bad okay yeah and that's all the james bond needs to do as a movie Mm -hmm. and i feel like they hit that note and maybe like anything else would be mission impossible or i get it but it just it bothers me that any given 30 minute episode of south park addressing surveillance or drones is probably going to be more nuanced and interesting than a J. I don't expect like a vice column out of it. I don't expect a, you know what? I think it was, I, I don't expect an HBO documentary, but I expect, you know, a good 15 minutes worth of material about getting to, and I, I so you also got to adjust for the public consciousness and what people, you know, you don't want to get something's going to rile conservatives or piss off liberals, but the way you honor yeah. that is have both sides of the debate. Coming across as intelligent, rational people that uh-huh. just have different goals and ambitions, different perspectives. You don't, you yeah. don't fucking straw man the the one side and then kind of so dumb even, man the other. Like even in Goldeneye, right? There's there's there are scenes with Trevelyan explaining like why he's doing what he's doing. Like I'm going to bring down the global economy or whatever because look at all this chaos it would cause, and this is the thing I want to do. I'm going to steal all this money and cause all this chaos, and that's why I'm doing it. I didn't feel like there was a real serious motivation for this guy. Like they didn't explain how connecting all these intelligence networks together was going to be a bad thing. I mean, I think there's an inherent like thing that people see and go, Oh, information collection bad. Yeah. But there was, there's no real reason why that's necessarily a terrible thing as portrayed in the movie. I have my own personal opinions about it, but like they didn't do anything to say this. All they did is this is a bad guy who's trying to kill Bond and he's doing this thing so it must be bad. That's what I mean. Like when you have the when the ultimate plan is to do something that the United States government has already been doing, that's you got us you got we're putting up with. You got to treat it a little bit more serious I think than than yeah. this movie treats it. You I might be know. right. I mean, I get like Batman gets away with the same shit. Like just have Morgan Freeman say, "I'm going to fucking quit if you don't demolish this uh Cell phone network after you take down the, the Batman and, and or take down the riddle, or the Joker. God, finally got it. After you uh-huh. take down the Joker, Batman's like, yeah, okay, whatever. All right, damn it, Lucius. Here's the here's the fucking self destruct code. You fucking pussy. <laughs> and it's like, I get it. You don't have to do a lot, Alfred. But... You had the construction crews build two of those, right? <laughs> awesome. Exactly. Good, good exactly. job, buddy. Yeah. This is off the books. <laughs> Lucius doesn't know anything about this. Uh, the other thing is this spy guy, or not spy guy. This this anti spy guy, information man. 
uh, yeah. the the kind of weasel that C. Ray finds is C. fighting. His name y- yes, C. Uh, carefree or careless, careless. Which I was like, I thought Ray he was going to give us a nice English cunt. I did too. And then he, pulled, really... he says careless, and I'm like, oh, okay. I'm thinking the c word must. Uh-huh. Be... I, I wonder if that was you know just a wink. Well, I probably would it would have kicked the movie to R. Is probably what they did. And James Bond. I mean, there's a reason I've seen every James Bond is because there was a nice little PG-13 exemption for okay. for uh, That's my, true. my cult background. I could I could squeak by. But were you getting Mark Ruffalo vibes off this guy? Mark Ruffalo vibes. Yeah, I felt like he's got a look that's kind of like close Ruffalo-y. to Ruffalo. Yeah, and and I felt like I kept seeing Mark Ruffalo in this. Mm, no, I didn't. I, didn't get it. I'm, 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 I feel like I see Ruffalo everywhere. Okay. I'm apt to see a Ruffalo, but you didn't see him here. Didn't see Ruffalo. Right. No. I, I was getting a Ruffalo vibe. Uh, anything else? The accent. I don't associate an English accent with Mark Ruffalo. No, neither do I. No, it was something about the chin. He's got a pointy, pointy little tapered chin. You think Mark Ruffalo has a pointy chin? I would say he has like no, one of those butt no. chins. No, he, but it tapers weird in a weird way on his face. Hmm. He does. He, he he acts like he's got a permanently broken jaw. Is the way Mark Ruffalo? Okay. If you want to describe it that way, yeah, sure. like like yeah, he's he's got the dimpled chin and he he talks like his jaws always and he kind of sets it to the side. It's been wired shut and it kind of healed weird. <laughs> okay, is is why I think Mark Ruffalo is. All right. Well, I, I don't know. I don't have much more to say about this thing. It was. I feel like we it really was fun, shit on but it, not but I feel great. Like it deserved because honestly, this is not something you need to see on the big screen. Yeah. Like, unless you're the biggest of Bond fans, which you've already seen it, uh, definitely wait to see this on video or just miss it altogether. Yeah, I thought there were some fun moments, but they are outclassed by other moments in James Bond. It's not as bad as Quantum of Solace, but if you thought no. Quantum of Solace was a, a hot ass mess, this is kind of the same thing. Yeah. It's not as bad or as forgettable, mostly because I think the performances were really, really, you know, again, Ralph Fiennes, not to say anything bad about Judy Dench, but Ralph Fiennes is really good. And him having his own little kind of villain to contend with was interesting. Mm-hmm. And the cues better, like John Cleese was straight up mailing it in for for a lot of years. Yeah. Yeah. I thought he was a good choice when he started. Uh, uh, and then, you know, it just they didn't do much with him. But yeah, but it's better. It's it's better. It's got a bit. It's got Monica Bellucci. That's that's pretty mm-hmm. good. Bellucci for, uh, for a couple minutes. I'm probably mangling her name, but at least two and a half minutes of making out with James Bond. Yeah. Being seduced. Yep. Uh, all right. Well, that's it. Uh, we had had a good time at the Bruin View, but I don't know. I don't know, man. I, I don't know see, if we'll I see all our movies Creed. there. We need to see Creed within before Christmas. We do. Yeah, I think we want to start up some kind of program. To see new movies and stuff. We've got an idea, a German idea to do first run movie reviews. Um, and just to warn you, uh, probably as a premium feature. Yeah, because this this involves outlaying cash. Um, and you know you gotta you gotta save some stuff for the club members. But uh, yeah, uh, we're we're not sure. We're not have the details. Probably shouldn't even say anything. No, no, we'll get there. But we like to just you know shoot from the hip. Sure. Half cock. We're like J- just James like James Bond, Bond podcasting. Does. Yeah, I noticed yeah. like. It was kind of cool in the the scene. My hands, where I got an explosive watch, Jim. Can you come over here and get it, and then throw it under the control panel? Well, specifically, like shooting from the hip, he kind of shoots from the hip most of the time. But I buy that because he's very practiced in shooting a gun. So mm. if you're close up, he might not need to aim very much. But then, like when he needs to take his long shot, he does. He aims right down the side. Say, like, I he lines I, it up. I, I felt like the modern Bonds have have done pretty good. Have been pretty good in the weapons weapon handling. Yeah. Daniel Craig doesn't blink when he shoots. That's uh, I, I like that. Yeah, you got to keep your eye on the target. 
uh, Chris Bronson gets squinty, but I think that's appropriate. You're you're shooting fully automatic weapons. You, you can you can get squinty. Plus, I mean, his eyes are probably a little blurry from the drinks. Yeah, sure. He needs to squint a bit to see what he's doing. Right, right. All yeah. right. That's it for Bond. Yeah, that's it. Thanks everyone for listening. Bring me a new Bond. Uh, we'll I'm, see I'm you bored when Idris Elba does me a, his Bond. Bring me a better Bond. Uh, who who would be the worst Bond? I think uh, you had a good good idea precast. So let out with it. Oh, I see. I was gonna go with uh, what's his name from Sideways. Um, <laughs> oh, jeez, Paul Giamatti. Paul Giamatti. <laughs> oh my god, worst Bond ever, right? Dan Harmon. <laughs> what, what, what would be the worst James Bond of all time? Uh, That'd be pretty bad. And, you know, maybe there could be a scene where he meets Idris Elba and he has a long, embarrassing conversation about race with him and how he should probably be James Bond because he's cooler and he's blacker. And That's the thing. He meets the ultimate James Bond. Yeah. And and he's like, oh, I'm James Bond. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. So you, you said Tom Cruise. That would certainly piss off. Like, you, you, if you oh, think... Oh, man. If you think putting a BMW... As a Bond car pissed off the English, mm-hmm. casting Tom Cruise as James Bond would it might put start him, put him in a Chevy. It might be there might be a war of nineteen uh, of two thousand sixteen. Uh-huh. Like British, British is like you know what Canada we're calling in a favor. We're 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 sending our carriers over and our submarines and we're what, what about Matthew McConaughey? <laughs> what would he do with Bond? Uh, I think he's got a lot of charm, but it's the wrong kind of charm. That's Southern gentleman kind of charm, and that is. That shit does not fly with James Bond. Hmm. James Bond has the British charm. Yeah, I'm not I'm, the class. I, I like. I'm drawing a blank when I think of like a lot of fantastic British actors. Like I know I've seen tons of them. Uh, hell, half of them are on uh, The Walking Dead. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I'm drawing a blank when I'm trying to think of any one in particular who would be a good Bond. I don't know. There are plenty of them out there. I'm sure Mr. Bean would be a terrible Bond. Yeah. David Tennant would be a Ricky terrible Gervais. Bond. Ricky Gervais <laughs> would be a terrible Bond. Yeah, uh-huh. uh, I think David Tennant would be a really good like spoof Bond. Okay, like yeah. you want to get like a Naked Gun style Bond mm-hmm. or a uh, you know Mike Myers style Austin Powers style Bond. He'd be a good one of those. A modern Austin Powers Bond. All right, they don't need to make any more of those movies. Yeah, the Austin Powers stuff. Done with those. And we're done with this podcast. You keep so, threatening that, but yet we're still recording. Well, you keep talking. So thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you whenever we come up with another movie to watch. And until then, I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. Bye. Oh, this keyboard.